We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the rookie-to-rookie rookie action outside the through door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back, gets up the shot. Fakes it in This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up, and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, January 16th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day Eve. I am your host, Jacob Niffin. We are brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and SI Thunder. Got a special guest with me tonight. Uh, somebody that you guys have probably seen before, just maybe not on our show. He is uh, from The Athletic slash, do you consider yourself part of the New York Times now, Andrew? I definitely do not. But you're not going to put that on your resume. I think no, you totally no, should. No, maybe, maybe, maybe soon, maybe soon, but definitely not now. Don't feel like it yet, at least. He is the host of the Down to Dunk podcast, OKC Dream Team, and the Athletic NBA Show Saturday Slam and Jam. My guy Andrew Schlecht making time this evening. Andrew, how are you, man? I am great. Cannot complain at all. I love to hear it. Uh, are you? Do you have any rooted interest in the NFL playoffs? Oh, I do not. Not okay. at all. Like zero. I, my my timeline today has been blowing up with NFL playoff stuff, and <laughs> I literally do not care. Um, so I'm more I, interested in the Rockets losing than I am any or winning than I am anything. Yes. Else. Hey, only one behind the Thunder in the win column. I know. I like that. So, I, like, I like that a lot more than any Dak Prescott stuff going on. I uh, hey, I am totally with you. So Andrew, you did an athletic live show, which is really cool. It's basically what like locker room is or was, but yeah. on the athletic. I love that they have that. Uh, you guys did one on Friday, and um, I couldn't help myself. I was at the gym. I was like, "Damn it!" I got to hop up on stage and, and talk to Andrew and Taylor a little bit. And I, I brought up a point to you, and I wanted to to revisit it here. So we talk a lot about how the Thunder have so many draft picks that they're never going to select, like make a selection with all of those. They proved that to us even this past draft where, uh, well, they did consolidate two picks in the second round, but then they traded a first rounder to get two more picks down the road. Mm -hmm. But at some point, consolidation has to come. This team has three firsts this coming draft in June, possibly nine first round picks in the following two years. You're just never going to roster that many rookies. But I think a thing that we overlook a little bit is you are going to bring in a lot of young guys, and there's going to be turnover on this team. Like the, the team that we see take the court tomorrow night, Martin Luther King Jr. Day in Dallas, is going to look drastically different in a couple of years. So I started to think, which of these young players are are long for this roster and which of them are just going to get turned over uh, as quick as they come in. And so I figured you and I could do a little bit of a draft. So not including guys like Derek Favors and Kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala. We assume those guys probably aren't going to be around for much longer. But the list I have here are Shea, Josh, Poku, Trey Mann, Darius Baisley, Ty Jerome, 
Teo Maladone, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Isaiah Roby, Lou Dort, and Andrew Wiggins. So, Andrew, let's go back and forth. You choose yeah. a guy. Sorry, say it again. Oh, did I say Andrew? Mm-hmm. I, Dude, I always make that mistake. Everybody does it. I know. <laughs> let's go back and forth drafting players. We'll, we'll go from players that we think are, are going to be gone, like 100%. That's like draft pick number one. Mm-hmm. And then the final draft pick is the, the player that we think is going to be here for 10 more years. Okay. So I'll, I'll let you kick us off. Which player in this draft would you draft for the Thunder to to be getting rid of relatively soon, like the next two years? Yeah, Teo Maladone, easy. Oh. Yeah. I just, I mean, the fact that he hadn't gotten any minutes at all this year and that Trey Mann and Ty Jerome are, they're in the rotation. You know, Ty Jerome not even all the time, and Ty Jerome's, like, played pretty well this year. So, uh I just don't, I think that he's just squeezed out. Like if they draft a, a guard this summer, like you're toast, man, you're done. So I just don't, I just don't see how they can keep him long-term and play him. So I would take Teo number one. Teo was really high on my list, but I don't know if I had him number one. I, I think you're, you're right on with that. I think they already have, you just mentioned so many guards, but I'm interested, Andrew, if I were to have asked you this, uh, let's say ten months ago, uh, last March, yeah. would you have put Teo at number one on this list? No way, man. There's no way. He's been he's he's played very poorly this year, and that has not helped. And they tried him at the beginning of the year, and it didn't work out. And I don't know what they'll do with him. I don't know if they'll just wave him i don't i don't know but eventually they're going to have like you said earlier like there's going to be like actual roster crunch decisions that they're going to have to make with some of these guys and maybe Teo stays in the nba and i guess he'll go back to europe and start his career there restart his career there and probably do quite well so uh but the nba i don't even know like what's what's Teo's definable nba skill like he doesn't really have one yeah totally agree he is a he plays with zero amount of aggression. I feel like, yeah. like I, I don't know. I can't think of a time this season where I saw Teo Maladone as a point guard put the ball on the floor and try to get past his man to the basket and like score points. Like yeah. it just, it feels like that is like very foreign to him. It's it's very strange, especially if you would have considered this like ten months ago. Mm-hmm. So okay, I got pick number two on which player is most likely to be gone in the next couple of years. Andrew, I feel kind of crazy saying this because I've hyped him up so much, but I think I'm going to take Jeremiah Robinson Earl here. Oh, really? That 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 soon? Is is that insane? I think it is a little insane. Yeah. I just I, I I love board, Jeremiah. What's on the board that I think would go first? But give me your reasoning. I I I mean I I'm on record on this show saying he can be your backup big for the next decade. Like he's like Collison esque. But looking at the rest of the names on here, does JRE have the lowest ceiling? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Maybe. maybe yeah. Oh, well, I, I guess I am an idiot because I, I totally looked over that I had Isaiah Roby on here. We have Roby there. Okay. Um, I, I will I will eat my crow because I just overlooked the name Roby. Uh, JRE is off the board, though. I assume you're taking Roby next. I'll take Roby. Yeah. I mean, he could be gone. In a matter of weeks, honestly. I mean, I just don't. They haven't given him a chance to play, and maybe they would, but you know, they they played Diakite the other night over hmm. p- the possibility of playing him. And does so, that surprise you? Uh, not really. I mean, I think they wanted to get a get a good look at Diakite. You know, it doesn't. A lot of times, who they play doesn't say or mean all that much, especially yeah. in a spot like that. So didn't really surprise me. Uh, it, the times that he has, like the, the most recent time that Roby played was against the Nuggets. And he played for like two minutes and was horrible defensively. And Mark was like super pissed and pulled him out and didn't put him back in the game. So uh, I just think he's a guy that won't that Mark won't play unless he has to. And I think that he, at this point, Mark would rather just try other guys. 
So I think that he's likely uh, gone, if not during the season at the trade deadline or something like that, or, you know, in the off season. So definitely. And it's not like you're, you're having to like pay a large amount of money. If you want him gone this off season, mm-hmm. um, I don't even know if his contract is, is guaranteed. He got the Lou Dort special. I think it might be like just a partial guarantee. Yeah. Uh, so it, it it's super easy to move off of. All right. So, uh, Isaiah Roby off the board. This next one to me is is an interesting one um, for my pick. We still have Shea, Josh, Poku, Trey Mann, Darius Baisley, Ty Jerome, Lou Dort, and Andrew Wiggins left. You said Andrew again. God dang it, dude. <laughs> my goodness. Aaron Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you consider contracts in this, I think it gets very interesting because... I think if you just look at the player, I think maybe Aaron Wiggins is next. But Darius Baisley is due. I mean, he's contract. He's he's extension eligible mm-hmm. this coming summer. Uh, we know from past history that Sam Presti either extends you or he trades you. Uh, his players typically don't hit free agency. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this decision really difficult for me. I think I'm going to go Baisley here. Yeah. And that's really my argument. It's just the the contract. Like you could bump up Aaron Wiggins again to the Lou Dort special and have him for like a three year, like $5 million deal where I don't really know what Baisley is going to command this summer. I mean, I think it would be like three years, like 16, 17 million, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much, not much more than he's making now. But I, I just, I feel like you have a longer leash with Aaron. Yeah. And Aaron's, you know, real coachable. He's, I think he's an easy player to coach for Mark and he's going to play hard. He's low usage. You know, Baisley still does his, little dance after he feels like he's doing what he's supposed to do. He still likes to get those jab steps in and whatnot. So last night was a perfect example of that. Yeah. There were some frustrating moments from Baisley last night and some great moments. Like he mostly was really good last night. Um, Baisley playing basketball is like me eating chocolate cake. Like <laughs> I stick to my diet. I do so good. And then I take a little bite of the cake and I'm like, damn it. Yeah. I'm going to eat a slice. Yeah. And then I'm going to eat a second. He just, he can't help himself. God bless his soul. He just he he makes a couple of layups. He makes a good pass, and then all of a sudden, it's how many times can I dribble this ball between my legs yeah. uh, before I go to the rim without a plan? Yeah, I I would not be shocked to see Darius moved in the coming weeks. Like I just wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen because um, he's been moved to the bench. He's been doing what he's supposed to do, and. Just, I mean, it's just a matter of fact. Like, if Clutch doesn't think that he's being put in the right situation, they're going to try to get him somewhere else. And the way that it was dealt with in Atlanta was really loud. You know, nothing is ever dealt with loudly here. Even, like, Reggie, the Reggie Jackson stuff mm-hmm. was not a great situation. But imagine if that were somewhere else, it would have been even crazier than it was here. So, like, who knows? Maybe it was like a – I mean, it's – it's it's possible that they extend him. Like that's not an impossible situation, but it's also possible that they're like, "Hey, listen, we're gonna find a home for you if you will just come off the bench, um, so that we can get other guys some some minutes." But we will find somewhere for you. And since then, he's played really well. Like his stats are really good. Alex Spears put out a tweet yesterday, I think, that kind of outlined how he's played coming off the bench. So. But yeah, I tend to agree that he's like not a long-term piece for this squad. So, yeah. Yeah, the the theoretical ceiling of Darius Baisley, especially after that rookie year in the bubble and, and what he's ended up being is two very different things. It feels very Terrence Ferguson-like to yeah. me, uh, kind of the trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully he can get it together. I think... He's got he's got the NBA body. He's got all the skills. It just may need to develop somewhere else. Yeah, just... I think that's fair. And you know, the the hope is that you're bringing in a big wing mm-hmm. this draft that would 
um, scoot him even farther to the edges. So maybe it is better for him. All mm-hmm. right, you're up next on drafting who is most likely to stay around. You have Shea, Josh, Poku, Man, Jerome, Dort, and Wiggins left. I'll probably go Ty Jerome next. Uh, just the fact he's 24. He's not a very good athlete. Um, he can shoot it, which is great. His on-off numbers are really good. But, you know, when this team is whole and healthy, he doesn't play. So I will go Ty Jerome next. I think that's fair. Again, the contract argument, I think, is a big one here. Sure. Um, is He's extension eligible this summer as well, I mm-hmm. believe. He's the same same draft as as mm-hmm. Darius Baisley. Yep. And so you, just, you have a quicker decision you have to make. Uh, so I, I definitely th- would would agree with you here. Uh, next one, we're we're getting down to the to the tough ones now. I feel like I feel like my decision here has to be between Aaron Wiggins and Alexei Pokashevsky. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, I'm totally going. Aaron Wiggins is the next guy on the chopping block. Um, I like Aaron. I, I think he he's a good defender. Um, He's a smart and confident basketball player. I love that he is willing to just cut so often off ball whenever it feels like, God, just in the history of OKC Thunder basketball, there haven't been a lot of guys that that play that style that are willing to cut off passers. Uh, he does a great job of that. He is a little bit older, uh, but again, he's an easier guy to move off of. I think finding an Aaron Wiggins replacement, like, Finding a wing in the NBA when they're in such high demand is difficult. Yeah. But if I'm having to find a replacement for Aaron Wiggins or a replacement for Alexei Pokashevsky, like there's only one Poku <laughs> in the entire NBA. You can find a handful of Aaron's, but you can only find one Poku. There's only one Poku in the world, man. That's an interesting dude. Um, yeah. No, I think that's right. I think that, you know, they can find another Wiggins somewhere. But it also wouldn't surprise me to see Wiggins here in five years, like working as like a off the bench wing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I know they were really kind of taking it. over the Kenrich role in a way. You could, yeah. That's not that's not an impossible scenario to see him doing that. Uh, okay, so who's left? Poku, Dort, Shea, Giddy. Is there anybody else? Shea, Poku, Giddy, Dort, and my guy Trey Mann. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, Okay, I'll probably say Lou Dort next. Oh, I kind of thought you were going to do that. Just because I don't know what decision they're going to make on on Lou. Like I just my my guess is that he'll stay. I know that he's beloved by the coaching staff and by teammates and everybody, so if that has anything to do with it, he'll stay. Like there's no doubt. Like if, like if, like if there was a uh, a vote amongst the uh, the Thunder today, like against like poke like Poku or Lou, like Lou would win easy. Like it'd be a landslide. Um, however, like Poku still got time on his rookie scale deal. There's still something tantalizing about Poku and what he can do. Um. And like I don't know what Lou wants. My guess is that Lou would want to stay and play with these guys, but I don't know. Like maybe he wants to go do something else, and he's going to have options coming up. So with those options coming up, I'll go with Lou and hedge by saying I would say like it's still like eighty percent chance he's here um, after all all the contract decisions are made. I think that's fair. So the Thunder can extend Lou Dort coming up in March for I think up to like twelve million a year, mm-hmm. and then on July first they have to make a decision. I think shortly before that, but at the start of the new NBA year, if they want, they can uh, like not pay him his last year, and make him which is next year, make him a restricted free agent, or they can play out that last year at a super cheap rate. Um, and make him an unrestricted free agent, uh, kind of like Jeremy Grant was. Of those three options, extend him for 12 in March, make him a restricted free agent in July, or play out that final year. Just kind of based off the history of the Thunder, what do you think Sam Presti uh, of those three options would choose? Oh, I think his preference would be to extend him in March. Yeah. I, think I think that's an easy one because the number... Whether or not you think he's a long-term piece for the Thunder, 
like do it anyways because it's like that's a very movable contract definitely so that's I and i think that's pretty below what his market value will be now i know there's not a lot of teams with cap space this summer but i mean i don't know i've, I've thrown around like 17 18 19 million a year if he were yeah. to hit the free market yeah i don't think that's an unfair number yeah i think that's right yeah so if you can lock him up for 12 i think that's probably the way to go right easy yeah it's just that's the easy one yeah for sure all right so dort is off the board we have four players left andrew shay josh poku and trey man oh god i don't know which direction to go here i yes you do yes you do oh, i think i'm gonna do it yeah. i think i'm gonna say the next guy off the board is alexei pokashevsky yeah for sure yes Without i mean and he, and he i mean i don't have any indication that they're gonna try to move him or anything but just like straight up hasn't been good. <laughs> yeah. As much as I want him to be, you, you see things that you say, this guy could be something insane. Yeah. And then you see things that you just say, holy shit, he should still be over in the Greece G league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really no middle ground. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like his, his best attribute this year has, has definitely been his passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you always want a lot of good passers on your team, but that becomes a little redundant when you have Josh Giddy on the team. And uh, I don't know; it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can't if you can't score the basketball, then you can't play in the NBA. Like plain and simple, especially when that's supposed to be one of the things that he does. Yeah. So, yeah, if he can't figure out a way to score with any sort of efficiency, he will be done after his rookie scale deal probably i would agree now the benefit is he's still super young so he is young he will be young for a long a much longer time too so yes he'll always be younger than i am i'm kind of jealous always uh surprisingly to me the last three on the board are shea gilgis alexander josh giddy and trey man yeah our guy trey is climbing to the top andrew but uh i have a feeling he's about to fall off here yeah it's trey uh, I like Trey a lot. Uh, as a player, he's awesome. Like he's he's got so many tools, and he is extremely coachable. Really, really wants to to do what Mark tells him to do. Really tries hard to do that. Uh, he was not a good defender, of Florida. In fact, like the reason he fell was because like he just didn't defend ever at Florida. So uh, the fact that he's done that some at the NBA level is encouraging. Now he's got a he's got a ways to go. I mean, I think we see the flashes and we get really excited, but like he's got a ways to go with consistency. Like he wasn't very good against the Cavs last night. Um, so, so we'll see. But partially why I choose him here is that they have a long time before they have to make a decision on him. Yeah, so, like he's got a really long runway, and he can really shoot the basketball. And they need guys, especially with these top two guys, they need guys that can shoot the basketball. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's just a, a fact. And so the fact the, the fact that he can do that is very helpful to, to Trey and staying here long-term. Agreed. I've, I feel like I might be kind of crazy here, but I feel like if something were to give with the Lou Dort situation, like Trey is probably your starting two on this team. You probably start, start Shay. They probably put Aaron as that's true. Two, and then, find some way because they really they really do like him off the bench yeah like I've, i found that like they that's i mean that's what they drafted him for was to be kind of a microwave guy off the bench so he's a really nice kid too i know you've talked to him a handful of times i talked to him in his first g league game and he's, he's very much a kid he's a very sweet guy yeah he's he's very soft-spoken i got to talk to him at uh summer league and he was yeah he's just real soft-spoken i didn't really know what to think about him honestly um but i like him he's he's very nice my yeah. kids met him a few times he's been very very nice every time that i've been around him in any situation so yeah good guy. same whenever he left uh g league like post game media uh he looked at me he said hey you think my defense was nice out there tonight i was like 
Yes, Trey. I thought you played good defense tonight. Like looking for the affirmation. I love it. I love it. Oh, no. That's funny. (laughs) Down to our last two, Shea Gildas-Alexander and Josh Giddey. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andrew, am I crazy to say Shea? Goes here uh, and then Josh, a little bit just a because l- of the contract situation. A little bit crazy, just because like Shay is still a lot better. I feel like I'm splitting hairs on this one. I mean, I feel like I'm taking theoretical like ceiling and runway versus like known quantity. Yeah, and Shay is awesome. He's he's been pretty inefficient this year, at least in comparison to last season. I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, you know, we never know if Josh is going to be able to shoot it. We never know if Josh is going to be able to, to be that guy that can really like, you can go to late in the game. And we know Shea is that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shay still has five years left on his contract. Josh has what, I guess like three and a half, uh, three after this season, just I I feel like, and, and again maybe this is total ins- total insanity, but I feel like if Presty were to trade one of the two as part of this rebuild, I think he is more committed to his plan of building through the draft and building around young guys uh, than he would be about like pushing chips to the middle and going and getting a, an established star right now. Yeah, and I feel like if they got pushed too far to the middle. And he had to get rid of somebody. Shea would be the one, and not Josh. Think that—that's kind of where my line of thinking is going here. I think it's possible. I think that that is definitely the way that it's viewed um, outside looking in. But I would—I just have not—I just have no indication that they want to do anything but keep Shea here long term. Yeah. I, I just—I—I I think that that's a, a real thing. Uh, I think that if they were going to trade Shea, I think they would have already done it, honestly. You mean they weren't calling all the teams shopping him last draft? <laughs> I I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I'd like to say I knew that for sure, that they weren't doing that. Um, but I do know that there is a, a, a big-time commitment from from the team for Shea. And Shea feels the same way. Like Shea, Shea is awesome. Like He has been incredible. And I think that people should be excited because he is like truly bought in on the plan and what it means for his career and for this team and everything. Like he's totally in on everything. So to me, I still think Shea should be number one just because we forget so easily like what playoff basketball looks like. You put Josh Giddy in a playoff basketball game as the number one guy. Like you're toast. You're absolutely toast. You put Shea in there, like Shea's gonna have a chance to do something. So I I think you want that guy. I mean, we see we see it every year. Like you need the guy that can ISO score, that mm-hmm. whoever gets switched on him, like they can go get a bucket. Like that's what you need. And Giddy is good and he's been really fun and he's a shiny new toy, but he has a lot to improve on. And maybe he can get there over the next couple of years, but you know, Shea's already there. You know, Shea, Shea can play in the playoffs. Like you can throw him on any team in the league and he would 
start and play for any playoff team. Josh, I think you'd play for a lot of playoff teams. Does he close lat? Does he close games? Like, I don't know. Like, what does what does Josh Giddy look like at the end of a playoff game? He probably is the guy that the other team is targeting on the other end for on defense. That's and, true. You know, so we have to figure out what Josh is over the next few years. Like, yes, he's a great passer. Yes, he's a really good rebounder. I love his attitude. I love the direction he's headed in. But um, you know, when it comes down to it, like Shea, you know, he's got it. I I, I fully believe in that with Shea. I've got to go, but thank you for having me on the show. Andrew. Thank you so much. Uh, the pod father of OKC Thunder Basketball. You're the best. We appreciate you, man. All right. See you, Thank dude. You. All right. Shout out to Andrew again for hopping on. Um, my co-host Taylor will be hopping in shortly. Until then, though, let's uh, let's move on and do a quick, maybe not a quick, because I want to talk a lot about it. Let's do a tank update. I'm trying to find my tank sounder, guys. Is it here? I don't know where it's at. That's definitely not it. Here it is. Loser! You're a loser! And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to... All right. So the Oklahoma City Thunder tank. Thunder are currently at 14 and 28 this week, they did win a game, which didn't help the tank, but they lost um, a close one to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which in the first half, uh, hopefully you listen to Taylor's post game of that, an incredibly fun game. But the Thunder currently sit in the tank standings uh, at fourth overall. Uh, that's the reverse standings. It means they have the fourth best odds. Um the worrisome thing is that Indiana continues to lose. Indiana has lost three straight. They're at 15 and 28, whereas the Thunder are at 14 and 28. So that that standing is very close. As a Thunder fan, we want the Indiana Pacers to put it together. Bad part is they just haven't. And it, with three and a half weeks to go until the NBA trade deadline, it's looking more and more like the Pacers are going to be sellers looking to trade off of a guy like Miles Turner, maybe Karis LeVert. Sounds like their asking price for DeMontis Sabonis is, is too high for other teams uh, to really be interested in. But if they lose some of those guys, I, I think they objectively get worse. And that is a, a, a tank race that I was not prepared for this year was the Indiana Pacers. Now, the last time we talked, we were also worried about the Portland Trailblazers in the tank race. Uh, they have stepped it up. They are up to uh, tied for ninth at 17 and 25 with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, three games, is it three games? Or yeah, it's th three full games ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I don't think that um, the Thunder have to worry about Portland as much now. And then the one positive is that the Houston Rockets. Uh, winning again today are up to 13 and 32. They have four more losses than the Thunder, but only one less win. They're they're sneaking up on the Thunder in the win column. That is a a big positive for OKC uh, in the long term. If, if OKC can slip down uh, and get in that number three overall spot instead of the number four overall spot, uh, that would be uh, that would be incredible. Because I, I'm pulling it up here now. Give me just a second. Um, if you are in the third slot, the worst you can do is fall to seven, where if you're in fourth, you could slip all the way down to eight. Um, and, and the the less you can slide in the draft, uh, obviously, the better. So climbing up to number three would be good. We also have to check in on some other teams for the tank standings. Uh, the, the Phoenix Suns are... I feel pretty confident that pick's going to be number 30 overall. They're just really freaking good. The Thunder owned that pick, so you're going to have a pick at the very end of uh, of the first round. Um, that, that, that pick is kind of inconsequential. I, I don't know how, how impactful that pick is going to be. Maybe you can trade that pick 30, and like the Thunder are going to have pick 35 
maybe you can trade both of those up to get up into like the earlier 20s because I think in that range of the draft, uh, you're really just dealing with preference. Um, there's not really like a massive tier gap between people taken in the early 20s and people taking taken at 30. Um, so maybe if there's a guy that the Thunder really like and want to target and can move up, kind of like what they did with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. But then the big one, guys, the Los Angeles Clippers pick. LA has lost two straight, should be three straight, um, but the Denver Nuggets completely crapped the bed and uh, lost a 20-point second-half lead to the Clippers three games ago. Clippers won that one, but then have lost two since then, um, which puts them at 15th. That pick would be pick number 15. Um, in order for that pick to drop into the lottery, they would... Oh, actually, I didn't know this. My tankathon just updated because um, the Minnesota Timberwolves have won tonight. So that Clippers pick is now currently at 11. So I was mistaken there for just a second. Clippers pick is now at 11th. Um, it is three games ahead of Portland and Atlanta. Uh, I don't see them... Um, uh, slipping down that far anytime soon, maybe long-term if Paul George doesn't come back and Kawhi Leonard doesn't come back. Um, but essentially, the Clippers, the Lakers, and and Minnesota are all all right there. Uh, Minnesota 21 and 22, Lakers 21 and 22, Clippers 21 and 23. So they're all neck and neck vi uh, vying for that play-in spot. So... Um, that one, that's going to be an interesting race between those three teams. Portland getting CJ McCollum back next week. Hopefully that will elevate them and let them win some more games. Maybe Portland can climb ahead of the Clippers pick. But I think the really big thing here, we said it whenever Paul George originally got injured on, on Christmas Day and the, the Adrian Wojnarowski tweet came across. I think it was Bleacher Report reported that... Um, some people within the Clippers organization are operating as if the Clippers uh, will not have Paul George back for the rest of the year. This has the possibility to be like monumental, absolutely monumental in the Thunder rebuild. If you can somehow get lottery luck and get that Clippers pick to jump to the top four and the Thunder's pick to end and the top five, I, I mean, you are kickstarting this rebuild really quickly. Um, even if that, that Clippers pick jumps to four and Oklahoma City's pick is like six, could you trade pick six and a handful of picks or pick six and a player to jump up to like three and you get to select that three and four? Um, I think back to the Seattle Supersonics. Sorry, I'm starting to get really stuffed up in my nose. Um, so I sound like an idiot. I apologize. If you can jump up there, um, I, I think of the Supersonics whenever they drafted Kevin Durant and Jeff Green, both in the top five. That type of thing can really reset a franchise. If the Thunder could get a, even if it's like a, a, a Chet Holmgren and a Jaden Ivey, that completely resets what you're doing and and you kind of have your your core moving forward. And if that's the case, uh, I think you're in a really, really good spot. I'm going to mute for just a second so I can blow my nose. I'm sorry, guys. There we go. I sound so much better now. Also, ooh, that pressurized my ears. Wow. Well, Taylor told me he was going to join uh, and then now Taylor is not joining. So shout out to my co-host, Taylor Peterson. I think that's all for the tank update. Last thing I wanted to touch on because we had a pod for you guys Saturday night. We're going to have another one for you guys. Oh, hey, look who it is. We're here. The one and only Taylor Peterson. Taylor, you <laughs> missed the tank talk. Tank talk. I'm that's so my sorry. Part. It's okay. It's my fault. Um, hey, uh, I just mentioned it here. I, I went solo for a little bit in between having uh, the great Andrew Schlecht with us and then you hopping on. Um, I went solo there for about five or six minutes. Oh, perfect. And I in that, that time, well. my Tankathon <laughs> updated. Um, the Clippers pick is down to 11 again as the Ooh. Minnesota Timberwolves won tonight. Oh, gosh. 
Oh, wait, no, they oh, as a Timberwolves one tonight. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. thought you were going to say because the Clippers won tonight. <laughs> no, Clippers play tomorrow <laughs> along with Oklahoma City. Good, 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 good. Also, I sound That's incredibly been, uh, stuffy, and uh, I sound like an Uh-oh. idiot, so apologies. Are you okay? <laughs> I just <laughs> you have a lot good? of sinus congestion. Okay, yeah, good. I've taken three <laughs> COVID tests in three days. Um, <laughs> More than that, good. like two weeks. I got, I, yeah, I've got Ugh. like seven in the past two weeks. Um, Crazy. I'm glad you're okay, though. That's I'm good. negative. I just have a lot of uh, a lot of snot. Hey, COVID has come from for the uh, the uncontested guys. Kind of crazy. Yeah. We got two out right now in COVID protocols. Yep, <laughs> it's very unfortunate. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll be all right. Uh, yes, uh, I think they will be. They're they're yeah, they're, they're both hanging good. in. So, <laughs> Taylor, last segment of the show. I I got this idea from the Cleveland game, which you did a wonderful post game pod over. Thank you. Thank you. But in watching that game, it made me start to think about what is the the next piece that this yes. Oklahoma City Thunder team needs to make the next jump. Obviously, you Did and I wanted to Jabari inspire, Smith inspire you? Yes. I mean, I was thinking about this during the game because <laughs> I, quote, I, I was watching in, in that, in that I asked, segment. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was watching Evan Mobley and Jared Allen catch lob after lob after lob. Yep. And I started to think, when's the last time I saw a Thunder center dunk the basketball? Fantastic. When's the last time I saw the Thunder have a vertical floor spacer uh, that you could just run pick and roll and lob something to the rim and they would go get it? Like like Russ and Steven Adams. Exactly. I, that's know? what I was going to say. Basley's not really a center. Yeah. He isn't really and, and with how much, <laughs> how much attention Shea Gilgis-Alexander gets every time he's got the ball in his hand and he takes a dribble inside the three-point line. And with how adept of a passer Josh Giddy is, Shooting, I think, is the number one need for this team. But I'm interested to hear what you know. What what do you think is more needed for the Thunder? A a guy that can space the floor and shoot? Or a big man, a la a a Jarrett Allen, Evan Mobley. um, Maybe it's a Chet Holmgren in this next draft. But somebody that will alleviate the pressure off Shea and Giddy pick and rolls. So maybe this is cheating. But I do kind of think it's the right answer. And I think the way that Pressy has built and constructed this team and the way he's looking at this team moving forward, I don't think it really matters because I think he's going to be able to bring in either of those. <laughs> and then at that point, so the the example I used last night was just, again, easy, low-hanging fruit. It's a post-game podcast, so first thing that comes off the top of my head. Um, let's say you draft Jabari Smith Jr., right? Pipe dream. Um, we're all hoping for that. We'll see if it actually happens. But you draft Jabari Smith. You have that that shooter, potentially, and assuming that he pans out early on as much as you hope that he does, then that gives you the luxury of pushing your chips into you know the middle of the table, for lack of a better comparison there, analogy there. And, um, and you can go and get try and get your Jared Allen piece, to, to use the, the Cleveland Cavaliers as, as an example. You can get that rim running big. Um, or shoot, if, <laughs> if the Clippers pick turns out to be as good as we're hoping it is, Maybe you end up drafting a Jabari Smith-like player, a- a.k.a. a shooter, um, and you're able to get it like a Jalen Duran with that Clippers pick, and yeah. you have your rim running big alongside a shooter. Um, but my point is I think you have the luxury right now of kind of this – it's not as much of a blank canvas as it was maybe six months ago, a year ago, but you still have the luxury of being able to take the best pick, you know, uh, kind of roll with the punches right that depending on where you land in this upcoming draft pick the best available pick uh, that fits best with your team that you're most excited about best available player and then you can use some of these other assets to finally start cashing in and bring in like you said a shooter and a rim running big i think are are probably the two biggest needs so to your point (laughs) a rim running big would excite me a lot i'm interested to see kind of what direction they go next year, the year after that, because they've proven this year that they really like bigs mm-hmm. that space the floor. They yes. like a Mike Muscala. They yes. like a Jeremiah Robinson Earl. They like guys that can pop out and create a little more, uh, I guess, negative gravity for those guards driving to the basket. I'm interested to see if they target a rim running big or if or they a target a, a, a spacing floor spacing big 
I mean, ideally, you get one that a guy that can do both. both right? You get like <laughs> right, a exactly. uh, a Jaron Jackson Jr., a Carl Anthony Towns. Like, there's only one Carl Anthony Towns, um, but you get a guy that can do a little bit of both uh, and can really mix it up for you. Um, but but that it's just these interesting questions I have about how Presti wants to build this puzzle out. I feel like you for sure already have two pieces uh, mm-hmm. to that puzzle. And then what you build out from there is going to be, I think, infinitely fascinating. Right. Um, I still think a, a three slash four, a big wing who can shoot is, is the number one need on this team. But I think very quickly after that, you're looking at a, a big man, a big man that can anchor your defense um, that, that can be a release valve on offense. Um, and, I don't know, Taylor, the more I think about the way Presti has started to put this team together, it's a lot of high IQ, high feel type of guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they get a big that maybe is less of an alley-oop playing at 12 feet big and more of a, I can catch in the short roll and and swing it to the corners. I can pop out and shoot a three. Uh, I can face up and and hit a little mid-range J. type of player. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And I found it interesting one that Dignall, this is all centered around Muscala and his, his role last night doesn't play in the entire first half starts the second half. And Dignall said that that was predetermined. They talked about it and shoot around. Um, and then he also mentioned a very interesting tidbit that apparently Muscala has been battling a bit of an ankle injury throughout the season. And I'm not sure if that's like, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm sure he has been battling a bit of an ankle injury. But I'm not sure if he mentions it that there to be like, you know, almost give them an excuse as to why they aren't playing it more with that hey, starting five because he fits so well, to your Mike point. Mike Muscala, DMP ankle. Now we, we have justification right, for it. Right, right. Or even just like, this is why we aren't playing him as, as much as we could be with these starters. Or if like he maybe really is battling um a, a pretty severe ankle injury and um, it, it's kind of trying to, to tough through it throughout the rest of the season. And maybe we'll have some sort of procedure in the off season, but to your point, yeah, I, I, I just, Muscala has been the big, that fits the best with that starting five. That's when they are at the best. Uh, speaking of Andrew Schleck, who you had on earlier, he had some pretty interesting stats. I don't have them saved or anything, but he tweeted them out earlier um, of the, the plus minus when Muscala uh, is on the floor with Shay and Giddy. Uh, compared to when he's not. And there haven't it's been good. very many minutes or interesting. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. It's very interesting. There hasn't been a ton of, of, of minutes or, or instances where they have been playing together. Um, and they don't kind of explain that with, well, because he's battling, battling an ankle injury. So all that to say, I am curious to see, to your point, maybe the Thunder and Pressy are more interested in that kind of big um, rather than a rim runner lob threat. But to your point, like watching, especially watching Garden last night, like how fun would it be for Giddy or Shay to have a yeah. lob threat big like that, <laughs> like a Mobley or Jaron Allen. Totally agree. And I said this back in September. I've said it multiple times since then. I'm going to say it here right now. The type of player that Sam Presti has targeted the past few years, the direction of the franchise I just feel like Chet Holmgren is his guy in this draft. I, I've been thinking that, and that, that's funny you mentioned that. We, we've had very similar, um, I don't know, we, I think we had similar thoughts watching that game last night um, because, you know, I kind of had that segment last night in my post game. Um, you tweeted some some similar thoughts out, and it's not just us. John Hamm had a pretty similar tweet as well that uh-huh. I mentioned in my post game last night also. Um, but I also had that exact same thought, and I have not just last night, throughout really the past couple weeks. Um, because you've been talking about Chet, um, and, and you know, I, I know you, myself, Nick, we all love Jabari Smith Jr. But if the Thunder were to get the number one overall pick, it just seems like such a presty thing. The direction that he's headed with this team to draft a Chet Holmgren. Yeah, I think Jabari Smith is the better prospect, and if they landed at number one, I would want them to take Jabari. But if they got number two, yeah, and Jabari went number one, I think it's Chet running away. Yeah. Um, 
I find this interesting. I, I, both of us have listened to this podcast because you mentioned it, and I, I had listened to it also. Sam Vecini of The Athletic with uh, uh-huh. Matt Penny. Uh, they they did a and you know they call it like the way too early 2022 mock draft, which was fantastic. They did a really good job, but I I, I found it interesting um, listening to them talk about guys like Chet versus Jabari, right? And um, wait, I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> what was the comment that you made? Just that I think that that they would draft Chet number two overall if Jabari went number one for sure. But no, I I think where you're going with that, they they talked a lot about how Chet Holmgren obviously has to put on weight, but he's a dog. He's willing to fight. Um, he's he's very clearly been willing to take an offensive uh, back seat to Drew Timmy on that Gonzaga team this year. Uh, he's still averaging like what, like 14.7 rebounds and like three or four blocks a game. Now, The 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 issue is, is an issue. I mean, he's going to get put underneath the basket by guys like Jokic and Embiid, but he's also going to defend the shit out of a lot of people. And offensively, I think whenever he gets in an NBA system where it's much more open, um, you're going to see a little more of his dribble game, his pull up three game, so we saw it when he was playing AAU. Exactly. Um, and, and, and playing Team USA basketball. Right. And I remember where I was going with that. <laughs> Listening to their podcast, I really liked the point. I believe it was Penny. It, it might have been Sam, but I thought it was Penny that made this point. And, Jakey, you might remember this as well. Um, Jabari Smith is such an interesting prospect because he already has a high floor. Or, sorry, a, yes, a high floor, uh-huh. but also still presents a high ceiling. You know, typically – I think of a guy like, for, to use this last draft as an, as an example, Chris, uh, Chris Duarte, the Indiana Pacers, high floor, low ceiling kind of guy is the way we we all kind of viewed him, um, where they described Jabari as like high floor, but also might have a high ceiling, where Holmgren is very much a, I don't know if you should say super low ceiling. Um, his ceiling may be a little higher than like, for example, Poku's, but it's much lower than Jabari Smith Jr.'s at this point. I feel like that's fair but also maybe has a higher ceiling than Jabari Smith Jr. And, and to your, it, just like listening to that and, and thinking of Pressy, the direction he's building this team, I'm with you. It would not surprise me to see Chet uh, be the Thunder's pick if they are, <laughs> if they do have the luxury of picking the top three. I say you just go get pick one and two and get Jabari in. Yeah, Chet that's right. Get them day. both. Why not both? Just call it a day. Why not both? <laughs> awesome. Uh, Taylor, do you have anything else? I, I think it's about time that we get out of here. I don't, I'm sure people don't want to listen to my nasaliness anymore. <laughs> Just that. I thought it was a really good week at Thunder basketball, really good play overall. Um, it was great to see the offense kind of, um, you know, no pun intended rebound there this past week. And I think largely it was fun kind basketball of, this week. Very, right. Yeah. Right, very much so. High and, scoring. Um, it's no coincidence. I think that Shea Gilles Alexander kind of turned it around. And we saw the team turn it around as well. So very busy week coming up, Jacob. Four games on the docket. We have uh, the Mavericks, then the Spurs, then one other team, 